Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined today, as always, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. He is in Pennsylvania. I'm in the state of South Dakota, and we are very excited to have you joining us today. This is kind of uh, us back to our regularly scheduled format. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of nice to kind of feel normal again in, in a regular format. Um, but we have a very exciting episode coming up for you on Friday. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if you're looking forward to us not being in our regular format again, which maybe you are, maybe you're like, hey, you know, I get bored of seeing the same bookshelves and seeing the same sets the whole time well we've got a doozy of an episode coming up for you on friday so stay tuned for that uh but in the meantime today is literature wednesday and we have a ton of stuff to break down in garrett book restoring the foundation of civilization we're breaking down chapter five today talking about the church government and there is so much in this chapter so much that gary damar talks about uh we're very very excited to get into this <clears throat> but first we would encourage everyone to check out our show website, trdshow.net, because on that website, we have a list of links to all of the many platforms that we are on, and we are on a ton of them. So if you haven't checked out our show website yet, you're missing out on a lot of what we have there. Additionally, if you would like to get some Reformed Dissenters merch, we haven't mentioned that recently on the show. It's been a little while. Our merch is actually fairly inexpensive, I think so, comparatively. Um everyone else is uh getting kind of pricey but we've been able to keep our merch prices fairly low um including the low low price of zero zero dollars and zero zero cents if you join our referral program and you refer enough people um you are eligible to earn yeah thank you this segment is just awesome <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh you are able to earn free stickers free mugs and free t-shirts simply by referring pre people to our website through our referral program. And if they sign up for an account using your special link that is generated just for you by joining our referral program, then you will get a point. I think it's only like eight points to get a free sticker. So eight people that I know so much to ask. It's so hard to refer eight of your friends to the reform dissenters. <laughs> but I think you can do it. And and if, you stretch yourself. I think you can make it. And if you don't have eight friends, you need to first find eight friends. <laughs> find eight doing? friends. And then, we just insulted people who <laughs> didn't have friends. Now I feel bad. Whoopsies. <clears throat> uh, um, anyways, if, if you felt insulted by that, uh, we're so, so sorry. But you can yell at us if you'd isolated. like. Yeah, you can't be isolated. Um, but if you are isolated and you would like to yell at us, you can do that by sending some uh, all caps related emails to trdshow at protonmail.com and uh, yell at us through your emails. Also, we have a form at the bottom of our homepage on our website where you can send those all caps messages as well. How was that for a segue? That oh good? my goodness, you're just a segue <laughs> king today. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I try. <laughs> Sweet. So, like I said, today is Literature Wednesday, as always. On Literature Wednesday, if you're new to the show, we read a piece of principled literature, Christian literature, on the show every month or every two months, as the case may be. Uh, December and January, we, in December, 
read through and are now for the rest of January reading through Gary DeMar's book, Restoring the Foundation of Civilization. And you'll see that on our respective shelves uh, throughout today's episode and the rest of this month. And today we're reading chapter five, talking about the church government. And there's so much, like I said, there to break down. But before we get into all of that, we have to do what we always do. And that's talk about our verse of the week. And it's Wednesday. So Jake, take it away. Alrighty. So our verse this week, uh, all week, it has been Revelation 1 verses 5 through 6. And it says, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom, priest to his to priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, and Bruce has broken down this verse on Monday and will on Friday, where he talks about specifically the part of this of us being priests and kings. So I wanted to take a different path and talk about what this kingdom is. And we have spent a lot of time talking about what this kingdom is. Uh, and we have a, a, have a series of three episodes talking about it. And if you watch fr Friday, then there it'll be four. But, um, uh, but we have talked about several verses, but I wanted to focus on Daniel 7, verse 14, and Hebrews 12, verse 18. And first of all, Daniel 7, verse 14 says, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And the wording of this is very powerful language saying that the kingdom will rise, will, will continue forever. It will keep continually go on. Uh, and Hebrews 12, 28 says basically the same thing. Uh, talks about this unshaken kingdom. Uh, Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, let us be grateful, receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And so, again, all of this wording about the kingdom being unbroken, being forever, continually. Um, but also, I would suggest in on on a separate note, also talking about the kingdom, but on a different um, way talking about the majesty of the kingdom, uh, I would suggest going to Psalm 89, and specifically verses 11, 14, and 18, that all talk about the majesty of God's kingdom. And so those are, again, great verses to go to, especially when looking about what the kingdom is, uh, what it looks like. There are and also go to our episodes where we talk about that, where we give where we list out tons more verses talking about that as well. So that yeah. is my uh, smaller rant than what <clears throat> Bruce had done. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it may have been small, but it was substantial. So thanks for that, Jake. Awesome. Well, that's good. Delve that's good. and breakdown. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so, yes, with all of that. Um, in mind it 
don't don't forget all of those verses. Don't forget the the magnitude and the glory of God's kingdom. Um, and don't forget about the promises that are given to us here and, and throughout the rest of scripture, because um, they're, they're very important to remember, and they're going to come up a lot on our Friday episode this week. So um, stay tuned for that. Keep all of that in mind, and maybe definitely, not just maybe, you should definitely look up all of those verses that Jacob just mentioned, because they're, they're very important. And again, one of the, the, the core tenets of our show that we believe sets us apart from a lot of people, a lot of other shows, is that we want you to do your own research. Um, there are a lot of shows like ours that prompt you to do that, and that's fantastic. Um, but in everything that we talk about, we want you to study these things yourselves. We don't want you to just consume our content and leave it there. Um, so write some of these things down, study them. If you have questions, send us a message and we'll give you access to more resources. We'll send more books your way, more things for you to study. But what we don't want you to do is take our word as gospel truth and just leave it at that. Right. Study these things and for yourself, including all these verses. I personally think that that is twofold. And when Boos and I came up with that idea, when Boos and I talked about what it, we wanted our show to be, um, the that idea is not because we're lazy not because we don't want to put a lot of research into it. Yeah. We, we put a lot as much Hours research as per week. we try. Yeah. But, um, but it's because we want to create responsible Christians. We want Christians to be responsible and find mm. out for themselves. And really because when you do your own research and you study it for yourself, it is so much firmer in your brain yeah. and you remember it so much better. Yeah. But also because we can't get everything right. We're not always going to get nope. everything right. Nope. So. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that being said, let's get into our literature episode. So again, we're talking about Gary DeMar's book, Restoring the Foundation of Civilization. We're going through chapter five this week, talking about the church government. And so I, I have three main sections that I want to talk about. And then Jacob has a section that he wants to bring up as well. And so, Jake, you know, just feel free to throw that in there whenever you want. Um, Mine's but very, like, just... It's a subcategory of, everywhere. I think, one of these sections. Yeah. Right, right. But it's... I'm, I had a large section to go over, and so it's just really just bits and pieces from those... Oh, from yeah. That section. There's so much. So, so just yeah. letting you know, it may seem a little bit... Oh. Where did this come from? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. And and as as always, um, as with every book we read, every chapter we go through, we always want to push people to buy this book themselves. So get yourself a copy of this. You can go to AmericanVision.org and pick up your own copy of this book um, for copyright reasons. And also just because we really like Gary DeMar and we don't want to rip off his book. We don't include nearly half or even a quarter of what's in this book. What we want to try and do is give you a small taste of what's in there and point you to this book and say, hey, get yourself a copy of this. So after year three of listening to our show, you should have a pretty substantial bookshelf behind you full of books <laughs> because you should at least have all the books that we've been reading on the show in addition to, I'm sure, hundreds of others. So... <clears throat> So basically my, take this from what Bruce is saying, basically take our show and all the books that we do as a list to get yes. for your own library. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, just to just to build and then go off of there. And, you know, because what yeah, I really course, like about 
a lot of these authors, Gary DeMar especially, is he'll reference so many other books in the footnotes. Um, He referenced uh, Tithing and Dominion, which is a book that I have um, from uh, Rush Dooney. R.J. Rush Dooney wrote a book called Tithing and Dominion. And and Gary DeMar references research from that book and theology from that book in uh, God and Government when he's talking about tithing. And so many others. Gary DeMar has referenced a few other books that I have on my list he referenced in this chapter. Um, if you look in the footnotes. And so I put a few of those books that Gary DeMar mentioned on my list to, to, to buy sometime in the future. So always look at the footnotes because there are always books tucked away in there because Gary DeMar is great at researching and pulling uh, quotes and study from so many resources. So it's, it's not just him, which is really cool. So my first section. So I want to talk about what is the church? Uh, what is the government of church? What is the church government. And Gary DeMar said on page 54 that church government is neither a democracy nor a monarchy. There is a chain of command in church government, end quote. And we see that all throughout scripture. We see the structure of church government. And Doug Doug Wilson does a great job in Mother Kirk of breaking down what that structure looks like and showing where in scripture we see that structure. But there should be a multi-church governmental structure. Um, might go so far as to say that it should be a Presbyterian structure of church government that is, after all, derived not out of thin air, but from scripture. Um, And I happen to believe it's one of the most solid um, and biblically backed structures of church government. But you can yell at me about that at a later date. Page 51, Gary DeMar went on and he said, the church is a government ordained by God. It has rulers, overseers, and elders. And you can look at 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Uh, It has members of the flock in Acts 20, verse 28. It has laws, goodness of God's law, 1 Timothy 1, verses 5 through 11. Uh, The church has sanctions uh, removed from your midst, as it's talked about in 1 Corinthians 5, 2. And it also has a legacy. um, And that's from Matthew 16, 18, where it says the gates of hell will not overpower it. When a a dispute uh, arises among Christians, Jesus said, tell the church. And you can look at Matthew 18, 15 through 18 for that, end quote. So that last bit there, the gates of hell will not overpower it. The legacy, Jake's going to be talking a lot more about that um, later in this episode. I want to cover the first four. So rulers, members, laws, and sanctions. And I'm not going to cover them in that order, and I'm not going to cover them as explicitly as that. But a lot of what Gary DeMar talked about in this chapter can fall under those categories of rulers, members, laws, and sanctions, then also the legacy part, which I find just fascinating, and I can't wait to hear what Jake pulled out of that. Um, so that was page 51. On page 52, Gary DeMar went on, and he said, the church is not a New Testament creation. And this is really important to understand. So many people today in modern evangelical churches don't grasp this concept. The church is not a New Testament creation. So we're like looking in the book of Acts, and we're like, oh no, how do we structure this, and how do we figure it? Guys, that's half the Bible. There's a whole other half of the Bible there for you to look at for how to structure your churches, how to structure the church government, how to structure your worship services, how to structure what your church looks like. The church is not a New Testament creation. Gary DeMar says the New Testament ecclesia is an extension of the Old Testament ecclesia, Acts 5.11. We learn learn from Acts 7.38 that the church, ecclesia, was in the wilderness. The first church was in Jerusalem, chapter 8. Uh, verses 1 through 3, talking about, I think that's in the book of Acts 8, 1 through 3. And uh, this first church that was in Jerusalem consisted mostly of 
Jews, end quote. So that's really important. We're not just on our own here trying to ascertain and, and derive some mystical idea of a church from the book of Acts that's talking mostly about the Acts of the Apostles while they're trying to go and make disciples of all the Gentile nations now that the covenant has been opened up. And now we're supposed to take that all of those things that they're doing and be like, oh, goodness, how do we draw from this and how do we pull and how do we structure? We don't just have one book here. We don't just have five books. We've got 66 books here. (laughs) We've got got a lot of books in the Bible here to to derive um, and ascertain how to structure our church governments. So um, that should hopefully get us started thinking about the church, thinking about the church government and understanding that it doesn't just originate in the New Testament. Um, and also understanding that it has rulers, members, laws, sanctions, and a legacy. And that should give us some in- inclination as to what the church is as we start to paint this picture. So I'll move on to my second section. Um, and I want to talk th- I talk about the qualifications for church government. So what does it mean to be qualified to fit in this government and to rule as an elder or an overseer, as we see in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. So on page 53, Gary DeMar says, notice how self-government and family government are indicators of what qualifies a person for church leadership. The family is the training ground for good government. It's a microcosm of what a civil or business leader will most likely do when put in positions of authority when governing other people. End quote. And on page 53, um, check that out. Hopefully by this point, you have a copy of this book. If you don't, pause the video right now and order a copy from AmericanVision.org. Restoring the Foundation of Civilization by Gary DeMar. Look it up, grab a copy, because page 53, he goes into a lot more detail and he pulls from this passage um, in scripture talking about how self, self-government and family government are indicators of what qualifies a person for church leadership. So you look at how someone governs themselves, how they interact with other people on a, on a self-governmental level, a one-by-one, uh, one-on-one individual level. Also look at how they govern their families. And that will tell you whether or not they're qualified to govern uh, responsibly, uh, responsibly and effectively in the church government. So I'll do two more quotes and then I'll kind of open up the floor, Jake, if you wanted to also talk about the legacy of the church and what the future of the church will look like and, and that actually goes really well into our discussion topic on Friday, talking about the goal of the church as well, or what it's working towards. Mm-hmm. So two more quotes, and then yeah. we'll get to that. So um, page 54, Gary DeMar said, when Paul and Silas spoke to Jews living in uh, Berea, the Bereans received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And that's Acts seventeen eleven. Church leaders are not autonomous. They are bound by the word of God, end quote. So all the the references and, and all the times on our show, when we are trying to prompt you to do your own research, we're also trying to prompt you to do what's talked about, what the Bereans did in Acts 17.11. They, when they received the word with great eagerness, they were like, wow, this is, this is fascinating. They, I want to know more about this. I'm excited. Receive the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's what we want you to do. That's what all responsible Christians should do. Should have us in one hand listening and the Bible in the other. Um, And I think it's Doug Wilson who says a responsible Christian 
is sitting in a worship service with one eye on the text and one eye on the on the preacher, right? Constantly examining to make sure that what the pastor is saying is right. That's why the Catholic Church um, was so full of heresy, because the church members didn't do that. They weren't they weren't capable of doing that because they didn't have the Bible. Um, but we we do. So in a church service, you shouldn't just be listening to the pastor. You should be reading. You should be actively engaged. You should be seeking to determine whether or not what he's saying is true um, and corresponds directly to Scripture. Okay, so final quote before we move on to talk about the legacy of the church, the future of the church, and what the goal of the church is. So page 55, uh, Gary DeMar said, um, actually, Gary DeMar used Matthew 20, verse 25, to explain that, and here's his quote, Jesus is the model for church government. Servanthood governance is the goal. Church governors are to be appreciated and supported for their leadership role, 1 Thessalonians 1, or I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. Uh, but they are never to, uh, to they're never to lord it over their members uh, end quote so again there's a lot more on page 55 where he talks about that but drawing from Matthew 20 verse 25 to talk about what the model of church government should be and Christ as always as everything in our lives should be the example of that it's that uh, servanthood governance all right, so before I move on to my final section, the jurisdiction and authority of the church, I'm going to pass it over to Jake just to talk about that fifth section that Gary DeMar highlights, which is talking about the, the legacy of the church. And I think personally, I think this, this should be called the power of the church. Um, the goal of the church, the power of the church. I, I, like, I like the verse he brought up, the gates of hell will not overpower it. And I think in another translation, or if this is a different verse entirely, uh, but the gates of hell will not prevail. Prevail, yeah. Uh, I, I like that wording because it's talking about the church is pushing against the gates of hell and the gates of hell will not stand. Yeah. Um, but when, when talking about this, I really like what Gary DeMar brought up. He brought up a lot of times in church history or actually in more modern history where um where the church actually thrived and did well and other places where when the church didn't do well nations started to take control and go crazy hmm. but um the first thing the first example he brought up um on page 60 and here's the quote one might even be able to make the case that the russian church's lack of social involvement had a part to play in the 1917 revolution that led to religious and political oppression and the spread of communism around the world. Wow. Saying that the, that the church's lack of involvement possibly caused the spread of communism. Wow. And he, I would suggest going to page 60 and actually a little bit before page 60 and look at what he's referencing there the specific instance because he brings up why and he ma he makes his case for this um so go look at the book go get the book and look at i think it's i, I think it's just page 59 he's, he's talking about it but even i even i think before 59 he'll set it up but moving on again still on page 60 um Gary DeMar talks about the good things that happened from that, though. 
Uh, and he says on page 60, once the Iron Curtain fell, it was learned that Christians were at the forefront of many of the efforts to topple communism and bring about reform from the inside. When they had an opportunity to institute change, Christians took advantage of the window of opportunity in a big way, end quote. And this is really interesting because he's showing not only that Christians have power, but also when you do it slowly from the inside, it works. It works out so much better. And, and notice they were able to topple the efforts of communism, uh, which is very substantial, I would say. Yeah. But notice yep. also the, the, the battle strategy that he almost brings up in this is the Christians took advantage of the window of opportunity, almost like waiting, holding back, window of opportunity opens up, go. And, but preparing yourself for that window to open up. Yeah. And it reminds me of almost how um the left fights hmm. you notice that yeah. that it's very like when when COVID happened when this whole thing happened in china a window of opportunity opened up and they leapt for it yeah but you can almost go to waste see, yep. yeah but you can almost see where they noticed that it was a window at the start of the pandemic trump was stopping people from china from coming over to america and they were like, oh, why are you doing that? Oh, they, they didn't like that. Hmm. But then it immediately switched to where they said Trump should have done it earlier. <laughs> so they took, they took the window of opportunity. And, and you, can, you can see where they noticed that it was a window of opportunity. But, you know, that battle strategy there. Um, I do have a final and ending quote. But also another topic I want to bring up that... Um, Gary DeMar states, I'm, I don't have a direct quote for it, but um, you know what, actually, I will just end with the quote and give hand it back to Bruce so he can finish. Um, but on page 61, Gary DeMar says, reform efforts can never stop. Christians must be eternally vigilant. Hmm. And really, that fits into what we were just saying. Waiting, being vigilant, knowing when that window of opportunity is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant points. Thanks for the uh, recap. That was like six pages, five or six pages. So there is so much more there that uh, we'd love for you to study, but dude, brilliant, brilliant recap of, uh, of that there. So awesome. All right. So final three minutes of this episode. Uh, this is actually the biggest section I wanted to talk about, but that's fine. I will bring up like three or four key quotes. And that's okay, because the more we can prompt you to look into this yourself, the better. So this is great. Um, but finally, I, I want to spend the last three minutes talking about the jurisdiction and authority of the church, because Gary DeMars does a great job diving into this. On uh, page 55, uh, he said, uh, ecclesiastical officers have jurisdictional. Then he says, uh, he breaks down this word jurisdictional, which is juris, which means law and diction, which means speak. So it means to speak the law. They have jurisdictional authority to address God's law to the body of Christian believers. Christians, uh, Christianity is not lawless. And then he quotes Romans three thirty one, which says, do we then nullify the law through faith? 
May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law, end quote. So Christianity is not a lawless faith. We are not a lawless people. We believe very heavily and strongly in the law of God. Uh, and that's the reason we needed to be saved in the first place was so that we could begin to follow that law. We are not saved because of following that law, but we are saved to follow that law. We're saved to good works. We're saved so that we can produce fruit. We're saved so that we can bring the obedience of faith to all the nations, as it says in Romans 1 verse 5. We're saved so that we can be doers of the word and not hearers only, like it says in James. So this right here is talking about how we need to know what that law is. And that's the jurisdiction and authority of the church is to talk about what the Bible tells us about the law of God. It tells us how to live and how will we know without a preacher. On uh, page 56, Gerdemar says, Paul tells the church leaders of Corinth to deal with a member who had committed an immoral act. And he lists a ton of verses there. So look those up. They're all up on screen. He even offers instructions on how to deal with someone who stole and then someone who refuses to work, end quote. So the church is to be involved in a lot of these issues because the church is supposed to be the, the pillar and ground of truth. They're supposed to understand what the Bible says about all these areas of life. They're supposed to be spending their whole week studying the Bible so that in matters like this, when someone's refusing to work, someone who's stealing, all of these things, the church should know best how to provide justice for those involved. Um, later on, he, he goes on and talks about, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, there's a quote from page 57. So I'll bring that up. Um, he said, there is a spiritual dimension to ecclesiastical government not found um, either in the family or the state, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. <clears throat> While the family has the power of the rod and the state has the power of the sword, the church has the power of the keys, Matthew 16, 13 through 20. Church governments can operate courts distinct from civil governments. And then he quotes 1 Corinthians 6, 1, which says, does any of you, when he, is, uh, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to uh, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints, end quote. So what he's saying here is any of you who has a dispute with someone, you, you dare to go to the civil government, the, 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 the courts up there who don't spend all their days, unfortunately, studying the word of God. Why would you do that? Go to the people who study the word of God, who know what justice is. They, if it's of that caliber, someone's not working, someone uh, stole something, Go to the church. The church should know how to deal with it. Unfortunately, we don't have churches today that can do that. So we have to go to the civil government. But this is the goal. We should have churches that understand what true justice is and can mediate between issues like this one. So there's so, so much here. Um, and I really wish we could get into more, but we're already a minute over. So we'll leave it at that. But again, get this chapter or yeah, we'll get this chapter by chapter. getting the book yeah just buy the chapter <laughs> yeah buy chapter five um <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> so much more in here uh that gary demar goes into but jake any finishing uh thoughts before we wrap up uh i think another historical point just an interesting side note i should say um is that during this time that paul was saying why would you go to the the civil government for handling these <clears throat> disputes um, the, the historical significance, and again, the interesting fact of that is even the 
un even the unsaved yeah. were going to the church to civil to 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 take care of disputes yeah. they knew the church was going to judge rightly yeah um or at least the 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 church had judged fairly mm, just correctly yep justly yeah yep yep yeah that's a great point that's a great point and unfortunately that the same cannot be said about modern evangelifish churches and therein lies the problem and that's why there's so much work to be done so as our t-shirts say which you can find on our website trdshow.net go therefore and apply all of scripture to all of life all right. Well, thank you all so, so much for watching or listening to us today. Don't forget, send us an email. TRDshow at protonmail.com is where you can send all your emails to yelling at us or, you know, saying, hey, thanks for the information. We studied it and we found this other thing too. Uh, any emails, we, we would love to hear from our audience. We've appreciated all the messages you've sent us over the past few months. They really helped to encourage us and, and keep us strong and and. and studying and putting all the hours of work we put into this show um so thank you so so much for your emails keep them coming um and we got a birthday wish for jacob as well which i forgot to mention on the monday episode so he appreciated yeah. that um so that was cool uh so send your emails to trdshow at protonmail.com sign up for our newsletter trdshow.net slash newsletter thanks again so so much and we'll see y'all on friday and rem remember everyone in all that you do do it as unto the lord